Thank you, Jason. Oh, good morning, church. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you spend any time reading about the life of Jesus or just examining the life of Jesus, you'll, you'll notice a, a, a distinct pattern uh, begins to form. You see, in Jesus' life, what you begin to notice is that he regularly spent time with God. Like he was constantly spending time with God both in prayer and in God's Word. And, and over and over again, you see this. As a matter of fact, Mark says in his gospel that very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up, he got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke even goes on to say that often, he said, Luke tells it this way, he says, Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place to pray. So let me ask the obvious question. If Jesus, the Son of God, the sinless Savior of the world, thought it was worthwhile to cut out, carve out time in his calendar to get along with God, don't you think we should as well? Like if Jesus, who was absolutely perfect, would carve out time to spend time with Jesus, I think it's wise that you and I would do the same. But not only do we see Jesus praying often, we also, we also know that Jesus knew and understood God's Word. Now you're going, Eric, I don't remember reading anything in the New Testament about Jesus pulling out a leather-bound Old Testament and start reading it. No, that's not what He did. But what we know by looking at the New Testament, we know that Jesus understood and He knew the Word of God. Just think about it. You know the time where Jesus is in the wilderness and, the, and Satan begins to tempt him three times. What is Jesus' response to all three times? It is written. And then he quotes a verse. Clearly he knew God's word. He knew it enough. Not, he didn't have to have it in front of him. He knew it. He memorized it. He knew it. And he, and he was able to, he was so familiar with it that he was able to quote it as, as an instance. But then there's this other time in the synagogue. And Jesus is in the synagogue and, and they they ask him to read from Scripture, so they hand him a scroll of Isaiah. And what does Jesus do? He immediately goes to Isaiah's prophecy about the Messiah. And he reads the prophecy, and then he tells them, the thing you are hearing in your presence today has been fulfilled. You see, Jesus understood the Word of God. He knew His way around Scripture. And He understood it enough to be able to recognize its fulfillment in Him. So again, let me ask the obvious. If Jesus, the sinless Son of God, thought that it was wise to grow familiar with Scripture, don't you think we should too? You see, Jesus models two habits worth imitating. If you and I want to commune with God, if you and I want to have fellowship with God, if we want to learn to talk to God and to hear His voice, and those two habits are prayer and Bible reading. Prayer and understanding Scripture. You see, if we desire to be like Jesus, which is what this series is all about, if we desire to be like Jesus, we too must develop the habits of regular time talking to God through prayer and regular time listening to God through His Word. This is week three of this teaching on the model of Jesus, of who He calls us to be. And what we've been doing over the last uh, few weeks, we've been taking a look at, at these habits, this heart of Jesus, and, and who He is, and what made Him uh, the way that He was, and how He followed God the way that He did. And we're trying to look at those life priorities of Jesus, those habits of Jesus, those, those um, foundation of Jesus' life so that we too can be like Jesus by incorporating them into our own lives. Things we're looking at over these, these six weeks are dependence upon the Holy Spirit, a life of fervent prayer, the centrality of the Word of, of God in our lives, the obedience to the Father's agenda, exalting God in everything that we do and in intentional relationships with others. And so this morning, we're going to be tackling the subject of prayer. 33 times in the New Testament, it is recorded that Jesus prayed. He prayed at every major uh, 
turning point in his life. He, tur- he prayed at every major crisis in his life. And throughout his life, as Luke and Mark testified, that he often withdrew for prayer. He was constantly praying. And my hope here today is that you will leave with a better understanding of prayer. And not only that, but you will walk out of here with a desire to seek God in prayer and some practical tools that you can use to spend time talking with God. But here's the problem. Many of us don't really know how to pray. Like Many of us don't really grasp what it means to pray. And every time we sit down to pray, it's a struggle. Anybody can relate to that? I know I can. I mean, prayer seems to be a struggle. I remember when I first became a Christian, and I thought, man, okay, we're supposed to pray. I think we're going to pray. So I wanted to learn how to pray. I wanted to know how to pray. I wanted to, to, to grasp this idea of talking with God. The problem was I only knew three prayers growing up. That's all I'd ever heard. I heard this one, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Listen, that is the scariest prayer in the world. (laughs) Stop praying that prayer. Unless you're going to do it. I pray the Lord my soul to take. (laughs) Good grief. My grandmother just hated me. I'm going to teach you. Must have been bad that day. But then I knew, that wasn't the only prayer I learned. I learned... Good food, good meat, good grief, let's eat. Not sure that was a prayer, but it sounded like one. And so uh, that was the other one. Then, then of course, I play in sports. I, uh, we would always pray the Lord's Prayer after, uh, before and after a football game or football practice. So, so like that was my experience and my, my exposure to prayer. So then I go to my first Bible study. And I go to my first Bible study as a Christian, and, and, and the guy that was asked to pray... He starts praying. And I'm like, that dude's talking to God. Like he was talking to God in a way that I'd never heard anyone talk to God before. Like he was talking to God like God was actually alive and actually cared and was actually there in our presence. I'm going, man, I want to pray like that. But I have no clue how to pray like that. So I go home and I sit down and I say, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to pray. And so I, I, I kneel down beside my bed. I'm like 16 years old and I kneel down beside my bed and I said, I'm going to learn how to pray. And then I'm just sitting there and I, you know, I had to do the, you, know, you got to do your hands just right and you got to bow your head just right. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I sat there for what seemed like an hour in prayer. And I look at my watch and 30 seconds has gone by. And I'm already thinking about anything other than prayer. So I say, okay, maybe I need a book on prayer, right? I mean, that's going to help me pray. If I, if I go out and if I buy a book on prayer, but that just made it worse. Like I bought this book and it just was like all these great men of God that were, that what I found out later were actually the monastic fathers, the monks. And uh, so I find out from them, and I read their story, and like this one dude, he would pray for eight hours a day. I'm like, sweet, I can get out of science. It didn't work that way. And then this other guy, this joker, he he prayed 10 hours a day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing. I'm not. And then I read about this one guy, and he literally rubbed ruts in the hardwood floors and his knees in the monastery. And I'm going, I picked the wrong book. There's no way I can do this. Maybe I should just go back to being a pagan because I can't pray like these guys if that's what it means to pray. I don't know if any of you ever experienced that, but that was my experience. So the only time I really would pray fervently is when I would go to youth group or go to a Bible study and I would pray that no one would call on me to pray. Because I was afraid it was going to turn out much like this. Check out this video. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. <laughs> I said grace in many 
a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> uh, in the Gospel of Luke, one of Jesus' disciples walks up to him after they had heard him pray, and he says, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus goes and commences to lay out a pattern for prayer. He goes and begins to teach them a template, if you will, that should be applied pretty much any time we pray. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, listen to what Jesus said. He said, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, so he'd finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now this should be encouraging to you and I, because the first and foremost, we understand that Jesus realized that we need to be taught how to pray. It doesn't come naturally for any of us. Like Praying is not something that just is going to come naturally to us. It's something we have to be taught. It's something we have to be worked on. But it is something that you and I can learn. It's something that we can begin to grasp, that we can have a better understanding of, that we can begin to apply in our lives. You think through every single religion in the world teaches some aspect of prayer. Some aspect of, of meditation, some aspect of prayer, but Christian prayer, biblical prayer, gospel-centered prayer is fundamentally different than any other world religion. It is absolutely different, and Jesus shows us through the Lord's Prayer this model, this pattern of what it means for us to pray as Christians. He shows us what it means, and Matthew uh, actually records this same teaching. And in Matthew chapter 6, he lays out uh, this same teaching. But what's fascinating about Matthew chapter 6 is before Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he teaches them and shows them how not to pray. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, listen to what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be what? Seen by others. Let's stop right there just for a moment. What he's saying is that the first way you don't pray is you don't pray so that you can be seen. You don't pray so that it brings glory to you. You don't pray so that, so that you receive the glory. And then he goes, truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we can't pray publicly. He's just saying that the, the purpose of our prayer is not to exalt ourselves in, in prayer. But then he goes on to say, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now, that Gentiles just means people who don't know God. That's all that means. People who don't know God don't heap up phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So here's the, here's the, here's the reality. Here's what Jesus is saying. And I want you to notice that Jesus, 
he criticized long prayers. And some of you are going, well, amen to that. Like, today at lunch, I don't want somebody praying a long time at lunch. I'm ready to eat. You know, but the one thing he did not criticize were long sermons. So, um, <laughs> did not criticize that at all. So, put on your seatbelt. We're going to be here for a while. No, I'm just kidding. But he criticizes long prayer, and I can relate. I remember when I came home from college one year, uh, we had gone bowling as, as college ministry. We had come home from the University of Georgia, and we were at our home church, and, and, um, and we, we had, they, they, our directors of our college ministry said, well, we're going to all go bowling, and, and then we're going to end the night praying in the new year. I'm like, okay, that's cool. We'll bowl until about 11.59, you know, <laughs> pray in the new year, boom, done. No, they had different ideas. They gathered us all in this room, and, uh, and, and they gathered us at like 11 o'clock. And I'm going, Whew. And then J.D. started to pray. Now, J.D. was one of those that did not read Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. He heaped words upon words upon words. He repeated phrases over and over again. He made everybody's palms sweaty just listening to him pray. But what Jesus is saying, he said, listen, there are reasons you don't pray long prayers. What is he talking about? What does he even mean? Does that mean you can't, like these guys I read about that were praying eight, ten hours a day, does that mean they were wrong? Here's what Jesus is meaning by that. He's saying that some people think, some people believe that if you pray a certain amount of time, and if you pray the right words in the right order, in the right sequence, if you say certain phrases, those catchphrases that get gets God's attention, or if you recite enough Hail Marys, or if you work yourself into some spiritual state, then God will hear your prayers. That's what Jesus is talking about. But here's what Jesus says. Instead of doing that, realize... That when you pray, you're praying to a heavenly Father who loves you and cares for you. When you pray, understand that you are praying to a God who already knows what you need before you even ask. He's reminding us that when you pray, you have to understand that you are talking to a Father. And that's where Jesus begins this prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model, not to be recited over and over again at sporting events, but one that is to provide for us an outline. One that is to provide for us an outline on, and to teach us how to pray. Look at verse 9. Pray then like this. So he says, here's how you don't pray. Now here's how you do pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now before we look at the specifics of this, this model, this outline, this template that Jesus gives, the first thing I want you to notice is there are two directions to this prayer. Really, two directions. The first direction is directed directly toward God. He says, I want you to pray to your heavenly Father. I want you to talk to your Father, and I want you to exalt His name. And I want you to lift Him up and worship Him. That is the first direction He tells us to pray, that you pray to the honor of His name and the advancement of His kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's the first direction. The second direction of this prayer is toward our needs. After praising God, and only after we praise God, only after we've worshipped Him, only after we've set our hearts alongside His, only after we've aligned ourselves with Him, only after we've learned and discovered and, and realigned our relationship with Him, then He says you go to God with your needs. The two directions. First direction is toward God. Second direction is toward our needs. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, I want you to pray. I want you to begin with God your Father. And I want you to exalt His name. And I want you to pray that He would extend His rule, His kingdom in your life. And then I want you to ask God for daily provision, daily, uh, daily pardon, and daily, um, and, and daily uh, uh, protection. 
That's the way he teaches us to pray. He says, I want you first and foremost to exalt God the Father and lift up his name. And then I want you to pray for your daily needs. And so I want to I dive into this, this model, this, this thing real quick. And here's, here's what I want to do. I just want to kind of give us a template, so to speak, for us to pray. For us to learn how to pray. And the first thing, the first part of this template is this. Connect with God relationally. Connect with God relationally. What does the Lord's Prayer say? It says, our Father who is in where? Heaven. Our Father in heaven. See, God is not interested in you practicing religion. God is interested in developing a relationship with you. And so the first thing we do, we have to, re- we have to realign ourselves not towards religious prayer, but toward a relationship with God. That God is our heavenly Father. And we relate to Him as a Father. He has adopted us as His sons and as His daughters. And we come to Him in that same manner. We come to Him as adopted children into the family of God. And so when we sit down to pray, we're acknowledging that, God, You are my Father. You desire a relationship with me. You're not looking for religious duty when I sit down to pray. You are desiring an intimate, deep relationship with me. I don't know about you, but when I begin to think about the relationship that God desires for me, that does something powerful in me. And not only does it something, do something powerful in me, it delights God. It delights our Father when we want to have a relationship with Him. I mean, think about children when it comes to their father. How do children come before their father? Do they think through, okay, I, I need to make sure I have all the right words to say when I ask them if I can go to the movies tonight with my friends? Like, I need to make sure, and they come before and they say, Dear Dad. And then they, 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 they want to make sure they get the words right, and they want to make sure that they say it exactly the right way. And no, what do kids do? They just come before their father. They just come before their dad. They, have, they, don't, they don't think through what they're going to say. They just blurt it out. Oftentimes they have no awareness of what's appropriate or inappropriate, do they? But that's the reality of children. And the older they get, the more inappropriate they get. But that's, that's the nature of children coming before their father. And they're not concerned with getting the words right. All they care about is the relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying when we, you and I pray. When we pray, we are able to go boldly before God as our heavenly Father. And we can just go to Him and say, Dad, Abba, Heavenly Father, I have a need. We don't have to make sure we get the words right. We don't have to... to, to to make sure that we say the right things. We don't have to make sure that we go to Him and, 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 and please Him by the, the verses we quote and all this. I mean, the reality is so often with our prayers, we try to posture and try to maneuver and try to say, well, if I pray this way or if I do this thing, then God will hear me. No, look, what Jesus is saying is you come before your heavenly Father without all the posturing. Without worrying about either how unspiritual you are because of the sin in your life or how spiritual you want to be uh, perceived by God. Because the reality is He knows your heart and He knows your needs before you even ask Him. He's saying, you come to me without all the posturing, without all the obsessing, without all the, the trying to know and to say the right words. He says, you come to a Father who knows you and accepts you with all the mess that is already in your lives. And now what we do as dads? Like, we accept our kids with all the mess they have in their lives. Like, when my children have messed up and have sinned or done something against Nicole and I or against their friends or done something that broken our rules, I don't say to them, nope, do not come to me until you've cleaned up your mess. No dad would do that. And yet we think God does that to us. We think, God, I've got to clean up my mess before I can come to you. No, he's saying, listen, I'm your heavenly father. And I just want you to come messing all. 
because I accept you and I love you and I want what is best for you. God accepts us right where we are, but he doesn't want to keep us that way. But the only way we begin to be transformed is when we learn to listen to him and come to him as our heavenly father, realizing that he will transform us. So the first thing is we connect with God relationally. That's the first kind of uh, temp of this prayer template. The second piece is this, worship his name. Hallowed be your name. Now, before I explain this, I just want to point out a couple of things. First of all, throughout this prayer, before we get to any request, before we ask God of anything or for anything, I want you to notice that what he's doing is setting our hearts right relationally. And then he's, he's inviting us to worship him for who he is. You see, so often in my own prayer life, the thing I want to get to is the request. That's like where I want to go. I just want to go, okay, God, thank you, amen, let's go get to the request. Here's all the laundry list of needs. But what Jesus is teaching us, that before we get to any of that, we need to focus on our relationship with God. We need to align that first and foremost. And he, so he says, I want you to worship his name. Connect with him relationally. Worship his name. This shows us, church, that prayer is more than just is, is more about getting our right relationship with God than it is coming before him with a laundry list of needs that he already knows about anyway. That's what he's telling us. And because remember, the main purpose of our prayer, the main purpose of our prayer is to glorify God, to worship God, to exalt his name, to align ourselves with his heart. See, God loves it when you and I worship him. He delights in the fact that we worship him and there is power in his name. Think about all the names of God as our creator, our sustainer, our Lord, our Savior, our righteousness. All those names of God. And he said, I want you to worship me because of that. See, by beginning with worship in our prayer lives, when we begin with worship, we acknowledge, get this, we acknowledge that Jesus is better than anything we could ask God for. Think about that. We're acknowledging that receiving and being in right relationship with God is better than anything you and I could ever ask God for. It's true. And not only that, we're recognizing that the purpose of our lives, the very reason God has you and I on this earth is to glorify and exalt Him. In the shorter catechism, it tells it this way. It says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever or exalt Him forever. That's the chief end of man. That is the purpose that we're here. So we are to connect with Him relationally. We are to worship His name. And then look at this next piece. We're to pray His agenda first. We pray His agenda first. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we surrender ourselves to pursue God's agenda. We surrender ourselves to put Him first. Prayer is not supposed to be about uh, getting God to help with our agendas, but to align ourselves with His agenda. But so often we reverse it. You ever done that? I know I have. Where I've gone and done something on my own agenda, and then I go back to God and I say, pray, God, please help me work this out. Please help me get out of this mess that I got myself into because I was on my agenda, not your agenda. Lord, I, I want you to bless this endeavor that I'm in without praying beforehand of whether you should get in it or not. We've all done it. That's why Jesus is saying, first and foremost, you pray his agenda first. Because prayer is not about getting God to join your agenda. It's about you joining his. You getting involved where he is working. Part of being a child of God is, is knowing that we serve a God who cares about us. And we, and we want to know what He cares about. Part of being His child is, getting, is real understanding and discovering His priorities. And then aligning ourselves with His priorities through prayer. What are God's priorities? He's made it pretty clear in Scripture. 
They say, my priority is to seek and save that which were lost. My priority for you as a follower is to carry the gospel where you live, work, and play. My priority is for you as a follower of mine to go and make disciples of all nations. My priority for you is to glorify me in everything you do. When you go to work, you do it not because of the boss or not because of the company, but you do it to glorify me. You work hard. You're the best employee at, the, at your office or at your place of work. Why? Not because it brings glory to you, because it brings glory to God. Those are all God's agendas. That you and I would glorify Him in the way that we live our lives. That we would love our neighbor as ourself. That neighbor that drives you crazy, God's purpose, God's agenda is for you to love that person with all your heart. To carry the gospel of that person the best way you can. Those are God's priorities. And here's the reality. We know the will of God is perfect. We know that. Every single one of us know that. But what we have to do is align ourselves with His perfect will so that we can go live it out. Otherwise, we're going to be trying to get God to get on our imperfect will and our imperfect agendas. So we pray His agenda first and then... Then he gets to our needs. After all of that, then finally Jesus gets to our needs. And the thing he says is depend, the first, the, this, the first time we, we address our needs, depend on him for everything. For what? Everything. Give us this day our daily bread. Now I know some of you are going, "Woo! Jesus asked for bread. I've been off bread since January and I'm excited about getting some bread. You know, forget this keto stuff and this paleo crap. I'm going for bread, right? Jesus prayed for it. I should go eat it. Here's, here's, none of us understand this. None of us grasp this. Not any of you have prayed for your next meal to be put on your table. But what Jesus is saying here is about dependence. That we're to seek dependence upon God for everything. After we've worshipped His name, after we've aligned with His agenda, then we ask Him to provide for our daily needs. But notice He says daily bread. He doesn't say, Lord, give me my monthly bread, my yearly bread, my weekly bread. What does He say? Daily. Daily bread. See, I don't know about you guys, but I would like to have the five-year bread plan. Like, I want God, I want you to give, just lay out the five-year bread plan, and then I'm going to get on that agenda, and let's go. But that's not what he says. He says daily. Your daily bread. Why? Because the purpose of prayer is for God to provide daily. We are to be driven to daily dependence. In other words, you can't get up in the morning, on Monday morning, and go to work without depending on Him. That's what He's asking us. You can't go home today and be the spouse or the child or the parent that you need to be without depending upon Him. What He is saying is that everything we do is to be dependent, entirely dependent, dependent upon Him. And here's what Jesus promises. He says, God will supply all of your needs. Not all your wants, not necessarily all your desires, but all of your what? needs. See, so often, man, my, my wants feel like needs. And when I don't get what I want, I tend to not depend on him the next day. However, if I'm focusing on my needs, if I'm focusing and praying that God will provide my daily needs, and then I see him provide those daily needs... Guess what? That drives me into greater thankfulness and greater dependence for the next day. So what he's saying is, listen, take all your problems, all your needs for tomorrow as you think through your work day tomorrow or your life tomorrow. And I want you just to, and what he's saying, I want you to pray through those things and ask for me to provide what you need. Got a meeting with your boss. Pray before as you walk down the hall to go meet with him. God, provide what I need in this moment. I'm depending upon you. That's what he's talking about here. And it's not about bread. It's about dependence. 
It means day by day we are to look to God as the ultimate source of everything. Does anybody have a hard time with that? I kind of feel like I'm a pretty good source of everything. At least I act that way sometimes. I'm actually a terrible source of everything, but I behave that way. I, I, I pray that way sometimes. And what Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Day, every day, every single day, you look to God as the ultimate source of everything. As a parent, as a spouse, as an employee, as a student, every single role that you play, every single responsibility that you have in this life, you look to God as the source of everything. That's what Jesus is talking about. And by teaching us to pray this way, he's calling us to daily, ongoing dependence on our Heavenly Father. And here's just a general rule. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Because see, oftentimes we think, well, that's just too small. Like, I'm not going to take that to God. That's, I can handle that on my own. I got that one. I, that's not a big deal. I can, I can manage that one. But here's the reality. If it matters to you, it matters to God. That's why Jesus said daily bread. Because he wanted us to have the smallest amount of bread that the people of Israel were used to getting. It was just what they would get for the day. It models what God did for them in the wilderness. Remember how often God sent manna to them? How often? Once a day. Daily. See, Jesus is saying, listen, the way God provided for Israel and the manna on a daily basis, that's the way He's going to provide for you. He's going to meet your needs on a daily basis. So in other words, don't get out above your skis. Don't, don't, don't start praying for weekly bread, monthly bread. God, I want you to depend on me daily. And let's move on. The next thing he shows in this model is to forgive and be forgiven. Forgive and be forgiven. Look, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Here's the reality. Until we understand how much God has forgiven us, we're going to have a very difficult time forgiving others who sin against us. See, when I have a hard time forgiving someone, I should immediately begin to examine my own life and realize just how much God forgave me. Because what Scripture teaches us is that you and I have sinned against God. Every single one of us in this room have fallen short of His glory. Every single one of us in this room have sinned against Him. And what, what we have to realize is that He forgave us of everything. And He calls us to go and do the same with others. But you're not going to be able to forgive someone. You're just not until you grasp the forgiveness God has offered you. If you're harboring bitterness in some, against someone... The reality is you've forgotten how much God has forgiven you. It's just true because our forgiveness, the fact that God has forgiven us, is a catalyst for us to forgive others. Now, which kind of brings up this idea of confession. You know, the, what is it? That's, we go to God and we ask His forgiveness. Because the reality is we're all sinners. We're going to make mistakes. Every single one of us in this room are going to sin in some capacity this week. Uh, we just are. And so we, we need to make confession a consistent part of our prayer. And so what, that, what does that mean? That means you write out all your sins and you bring them next Sunday. We're going to read them out loud. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what it means. But it means that, that here, here's what confession. Here's all, if you want to kind of grasp confession... Confession is just expo is bringing light to the darkness of our sin. You see, sin loses its power when is it when it is exposed. Sometimes that exposure is just between you and God. God, I acknowledge that this is sin. John said, "If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive your sin." And confessing is just agreeing with God that it's sin. And he's saying, listen, when you expose sin, it loses its power. And Scripture tells us we confess our sin first to God and then others as we have need. 
If you sin against someone, you first say, God, please forgive me, and then you go and make it right with the person. And that's what Jesus is meaning by forgive and be forgiven. And the final piece, the final one is this. Engage in spiritual warfare. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? Evil. You see, oftentimes we don't understand that you and I have an enemy that is against us, that is desiring to seek, kill, and destroy every bit of goodness in your life. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us and that wants to seek, kill, and to kill us. And and as we pray, what we're doing is we're standing against our enemy and we're praying from a position of victory. So you don't go and you don't pray in the position of defeat. You pray in the position of victory. Why? Because Jesus Christ has already won the victory for you. You are victorious. But so often, man, I go to God and I pray out of defeat. And he said, no, 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 no. You pray out of victory. You pray because I have already won the battle. You pray because I am victorious. There is power in my word. There is power in me. And, and, and he is saying, that I want you to take every lie, everything that the, that the enemy has stolen from you, I want you to take that and I want you to make it obedient to me. I want you to forget those lies and put the truth of God in you. That's what Jesus is talking about. That we would not be led into temptation. The temptation to believe the lies that Satan throws at us. To believe the things of our inadequacy. To believe those things. He said, no, I don't want you to believe those things. I want you to, to, God, you show me every lie that I'm believing. And replace it with your truth. That's what he means. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 that when we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And through prayer, it is through prayer that we resist the devil and we walk in God's freedom. So many times we understand why I don't have any power over the enemy in my life. And oftentimes it's because we're not praying. We're not depending on God for that daily bread. We're not seeking Him first. We're not understanding the relationship we have with him we're not grasping the fact that he is to be worshiped and we are to be on his agenda so jesus lays out this model he gives a very practical model of how we're to pray first and foremost we connect with god relationally secondly we worship his name third we put his agenda first we pray his agenda first we depend on him for everything we forgive so that we can be uh, forgiven, and then we engage in spiritual warfare. Now I want to end with some just some very practical suggestions. Just quick, if you take if you're a note taker, you can just write these things down. But the very practical suggestions uh, to help you either start a daily prayer habit if you've never started one before, or to jumpstart a daily prayer habit if you've gotten into a rut and it's gotten stale. And here it is: just read through the model which could be reading through the Lord's Prayer, remembering the model we just laid out, and spend each morning praying whatever the Spirit lays on your heart. As you think about your Heavenly Father, whatever the Spirit lays on your heart about your Father, just pray. As you think about His name, His his kingdom, His agenda, as you think about your needs, just walk through the model and begin to pray those every day. Here's another one. Set a reminder on your calendars. We all carry these computers around in our pockets. Set a reminder on your calendar to pray for specific, need, uh, specific needs at specific times. Another great way to, to remember to jumpstart your prayer. Use a prayer app. Uh, I, I use a prayer app called PrayerMate. And that's the, the, I use that in the mornings and I put all my prayer requests uh, in there. You know, things we get from, from uh, here in the church, I'll put those in there uh, during the week. Um, prayers for my family, prayers for the church, prayer for all those things. I put that. There's some really good ones out there. There's Echo Prayer, Prayer Mate. Uh, if you're an Evernote person, you can use Evernote for your your uh, to organize your prayers. If you're not into apps, use three and a half by three three by five cards. Just put the name person's name, write the need, uh, write those requests. Here here's another big one. Pray in the moment with people. Here's what I mean by that. You ever have somebody come to you and say, hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, yep, got you. And then the next time you see them at church, you're like, oh, dang, I didn't pray for them. Let me pray. Dear God, I pray for, you know, 
like right before, and they ask you to pray on Tuesday, and you're like next Sunday, and you're going, oh man, I forgot. Here's a great practice. Just pray right there for that person. Pray, pray in the moment. When somebody asks you to pray, neighbor, whatever, just pray in the moment. Don't wait and say, yeah, I'll pray for you later. Now, you can pray for them later. I'm not saying don't pray for them later, but pray for them in that moment. Here's another thing. Prayer walk your neighborhood, your office, your, some part of our city. Now, don't get all weird and start anointing things with oil and your neighbor goes out and like, why is my mailbox all oily? I don't get it. That's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just go and just pray. Just walk. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned on prayer was this. When I was in Shanghai, China, living there for three months, we were not allowed to pray in our dorm room. We we're not allowed to have communion with God in that way. We had to, to, um, we had to uh, be very secretive of the reason we were there we were, as we were serving as summer missionaries. But here's, here's what I learned about prayer that, that has driven my prayer life to greater heights. In order for us to pray, I had to get my buddy Tim, and we said, hey, let's go, let's go pray for you know, students we were meeting and people we were getting together with. And, and the way we had to do it is we had to go walk across the college campus that we were living on. And just as we were walking, we were having a conversation. Eyes open, just normal conversation, but it was with God. It wasn't heads bowed and eyes closed. It wasn't fancy words. It was literally as we were walking, we had to pray in such a way that no one that was walking near us could hear us and think that we were talking to God. And it revolutionized my prayer life. And my encouragement, do a prayer walk in your neighborhood in the same way. Just begin to talk to God. Here's a couple, two more things and we're going to be done. Try two or three short times of prayer instead of one long time of prayer. Instead of sitting down and saying, okay, I need to pray for a long period of time in the morning, just set, a time, set aside time in the morning, after, maybe after lunch, right when you get back to work, or on your way back to work, and then pray right before bed. Another one, pray regularly with your kids and every day with your spouse if you can. Incredibly important. But here, here, above all, listen, above all, just start. Just start somewhere. Prayer is a muscle that grows the more you use it. And so tomorrow morning, just set aside five minutes. That's all I'm asking you to do. Set aside five minutes. If you can do more, great, but don't, don't force yourself to. Don't feel like you have to, but just five minutes a day for the next week, and let's just see what God does. That's it. And so I want to close this morning by actually practicing this. I'm going to have the band come up, and we're actually going to put this into practice. And so at your seats, I'm going to guide you in praying through this model of prayer. I'm going to guide you as we, as we pray and as we seek God together. And so everybody, you can just however you feel, if you, if you want to stand up and pray, you can stand up. This is your time with God. And so I just want you right there at your seat. If you want to stand up, if you want to come kneel down, however you want to engage with God right now, here's what I'm inviting you to do is to engage with God. And we're going to walk through this model. And we're going to walk through it, and we're just going to begin to pray. James told us that we're to be doers of the Word. And so for us to come this morning and hear the Word and not do anything with it uh, would, would be, uh, I think we would be uh, amiss to do that. So just right now at your, at your seat, just begin to pray to your Heavenly Father. It's in your own words. You can pray out loud. You can pray quietly. It doesn't matter. We can do it in a concert of prayer. We can do it in however way you feel led. But just right now, just call out to your Heavenly Father. Begin to connect with Him relationally. Begin to grasp the fact that He loves you and that He's your Heavenly Father. Thank Him that you are His child. Tell Him how grateful you are to call him Father. Abba. Dad. Not in a formal way. But in an incredibly informal and real relational way. Just spend a moment reflecting on his love for you. As you reflect on his love, begin to worship his name. Just right there at your seat, just call out His name. Just worship His name. He is Jehovah. He is God with us. He is God in us. Praise His name for His holiness, His righteousness, His grace.
greatness. Magnify his name. Lift up the name of Jesus. Begin to pray his agenda first. His kingdom come. His will be done. Begin to ask him that his will would be done in your life. Pray by name for the people that you know in your circle of influence where you live, work, and play that are lost, that don't know Christ. Just call them out by name. Just pray for them by name and ask God to put them in your path this week so that you can put His agenda first. Begin to ask Him who you should invest in and disciple. Or maybe ask that God would send someone to disciple you if you want to grow in your faith. begin to depend on him for everything think through your calendar tomorrow think through all the things you've got going on tomorrow or or this afternoon and begin to acknowledge that everything you need comes from him depend on him for your daily bread think through today tomorrow and ask him to provide what you need maybe a test you have coming up maybe a work assignment that you have coming up. It may be a meeting with a boss or a friend or uh, it may be challenges in your marriage or relationships. It may be whatever it is, just begin to depend on Him daily. Thank Him for His forgiveness. Ask Him to reveal any sin that you need to confess. Ask Him to help you forgive others because of how much you've been forgiven by Him. And finally, just pray and ask God to reveal to you where the enemy is lying to you and to help you replace it with His truth. Think through those areas in your life that trip you up. Those sins that continue to pop up, whether it's an attitude or an action or whatever it may be, but those those things that just begin to to catch us all the time and begin just right now at your seat just acknowledge that area to God and ask his deliverance today and let's just stand up right now and let's continue let's just sing this chorus of this song one time and just through just acknowledging that we need him he is all that we need He is everything that we need, that we are caught up in His presence. And He is here to have have us in this moment, right now. Let's sing that chorus together as we close.